Hi, I'm Emily Hazard. I'm Becky Anderson. I'm Elliot Hazard. And this is Grey's Anatomy Uncut, a podcast where we discuss and analyze episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Today, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 20, Band-Aid Covers the Bullet Hole, which is a song originally sung by Scarling. Original air date is March 12th, 2006, written by Gabrielle G. Stanton and Shonda Rhimes. Shonda's back. Directed by Julie Ann Robinson, and it had 22.51 million viewers, which is remarkably down from last episode. Hmm. Elliot's back, and I think everyone at this table is at least 1% sick, so forgive us. Not me. Not yet. (laughs) So yeah. After this, you might be. We're a little bit sick. I'm sick in the mind. <laughs> That's why you're on this podcast, baby. All right. So do you have any follow-up, Becca? No. All right. I have one thing that I can't believe I didn't mention. So like where George was sitting last episode when Callie came up to him and he had that weird uh, suitcase, that was the exact same spot from the pilot that George and Meredith were talking to each other. Um, and I couldn't help but think that that was not a coincidence because they've literally never shown anyone sit there since that first episode with George and Meredith and it was George getting over like Meredith last episode so I I figured that had to be on purpose mm. alright that's it that's my whole follow up cool. you wanna you wanna start? sure so I kind of feel like this episode has a lot to do with the Addison Derek relationship and we really start to see kind of how Derek's indifference towards her especially in the past couple episodes that we've seen, uh, really affects her and how this is kind of what drove her to initially cheat on him back in New York. I feel like I really couldn't pick out, like, a common theme in this episode, but I also kind of thought that that, like, worked. Like, it's still a really good episode, even though, like, I couldn't pick anything out. Um, Really, each of the patients gives the audience something and relates really well to the characters, so... Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I think that this is an expansion episode. So ever since the Meredith and George thing happened, the show has just been working on expanding with new characters, but also with the old ones. And so, like, I have a few examples of this. Addison is getting a lot of growth lately. Bailey's on a new kind of story arc, which is her being a mother. We got the Burke and George friendship. We got the Callie and George romance, unfortunately. We have... Meredith and Derek trying to be friends. And then, of course, you know, Izzy's story arc with Denny, which Mm -hmm. is huge. And then most things about this episode I really liked. But I still think they're in that awkward point where they're trying to get where they want to go, but they're not quite there yet. And I don't feel like they get there until about 24, episode 24, through the end of the season. Like, they're trying to get somewhere. Yeah. To that point. You mean all the characters? Yeah, like, I mean, like, the writers are trying to get to a certain point with the oh. show, and they're, it's like, in episode 19, everything kind of wrapped up, and now they're having to start new a little bit, and they'll get there, but it's still, like, a lot of setup. You want to read the opening, Elliot? As doctors, patients are always telling us how they do our jobs. Just stitch me up slap a band-aid on it and send me home it's easy to suggest a quick solution 
when you don't know much about the problem, or you don't understand the underlying cause, or just how deep the wound is. The first step toward a real cure is to know exactly what the disease is to begin with. But that's not what people want to hear. We're supposed to forget the past that led us here, ignore the future complications that might arise, and go for the quick fix. So the opening song is Come Sing Me a Song by Sing Sing. Kind of creative band name. <laughs> yeah. What do we do? Oh, we sing. Well, Sing Sing is a prison, too. I know. Oh, it is? Mm-hmm. I did not know what, that. What? Where is that? Sing Sing. That's not New York, is it? I think it's it? California. Mm, okay. Because in New York, it's Rikers. Yeah. Going to Rikers. Okay. So we open with George, possibly in a fugue state, just staring at himself in the mirror uh, in Burke and Christina's apartment. And we get the sense that he's really not liking what he's seeing here. And you know what, George? Neither are we. So he starts... Um, it is New York. Ooh, I was right. Sing Sing? New York. Real-time follow-up, guys. I feel like George is in his own little personal renaissance here. He's having extreme identity crisis because... The past few months, like the past, like, you know, half a year or whatever has been all about Meredith and now everything has shifted in this episode and, you know, into the future. We're seeing George, like, trying and struggling with defining who he is now without pining over Meredith. And then he chooses, I think, the world's smallest scissors to cut his hair. Yeah, I know. They're like Are they like surgical scissors? Those I, yeah, really tiny ones. They're really tiny ones. Yeah. Like you couldn't find like a normal pair of scissors, George. Yeah. And like I like know kitchen shears. Yeah. Like I know we've <laughs> talked about how bad his hair was. But he destroys it. Like is this better than it was? No. It really isn't. It looks terrible. Also, like, how hard is it to just go and get an actual haircut from someone? Like, it's not that difficult. Yeah, and it's also kind of like, maybe he's like, oh, I didn't have time, but come on. You're standing, staring at yourself in the mirror. You had time, George. Yeah, exactly. You had time. So then we cut over to Meredith and Derek. They're in Forest Park, walking dog. Doc. (laughs) Doc. (laughs) I have a few. Whoa. <laughs> My chair's gonna break. And um, they're just like, you know, throwing a stick or whatever, and then Doc is running after it. They're dressed like models from an LL Bean catalog. Or like what you think outdoorsy people should look like, but it's not really what they look like. Yeah. Because they're only pretending to be outdoorsy. Yeah, exactly. Derek just loves the fact that he's an outdoorsman, even though he's not. And um, the fact that they're coming back together over Doc reinforces that metaphor Mm -hmm. that Doc is a representation of Meredith and Derek's relationship. So they're basically just talking about this horrible thing that Meredith did, and she won't tell Derek. Because he tells her not to. Which is, like, weird. He's like, even if I beg, don't tell me. And you're like, ew. And you're like, do you guys need a safe word? And then, like, they have to reconfirm the fact that they're friends. It's like... At least 50 times. Like, are we friends? We're friends? Friend friends? Friend 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 friends? Yeah, and then Derek, he's really into, like, being like, we celebrate the moments of our lives. I'm like, he made a joke about that last episode, too. He's just so reading, like, too many Hallmark cards or something. Celebrate the moment of your life. Mm -hmm. And he was like, this is a good line. (laughs) Exactly. This is a good line. And then Meredith is like, what about you? Don't you have any problems you want to tell me about? And then Derek goes, truthfully, 
at this moment in time, I don't have any problems. Which not a, a single lie. one. But it's like, when you think about it, what he's basically saying is, I've got a hot wife who love, who's like, you obsessed know, with me. obsessed with me, and I get to also have my girlfriend. That's so funny. he's like, I got my cake and I'm eating it too. And he's like, I don't have any problems. I'm like, and then Ugh. Meredith is like, let's destroy you. I can think of a few problems, Derek. And then we get this scene with the bromance that is fueling between Burke and George. Like, oh god. Well, it's kind of ridiculous for there to be a bromance because <laughs> even though O'Malley is Burke's guy, he says, he kind of hated him in the beginning. And it seems kind of early for a bromance to be forming between these two. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also kind of funny because it's like an attending and an intern and they have like this bromance. It's like like a like a grad student and like a freshman hanging well, out. Yeah, I mean like it seems pretty forced and I think Burke's ego is so big that he'll choose a guy no matter who it is and he's determined to make it work mm-hmm. even though George is nicknamed 007. You think it seems forced? I don't know. I think they're just like two kind of pathetic people that like found each other and now they're friends. Well, it's also weird because the lady that he's dating, Christina, kind of hates George because she thinks he's a wuss. So yeah. it's almost like he's friends with George just to get back at mm-hmm. Christina and say he's such Some of the looks that he like would give Christina when she would say things almost to me seems like Burke almost pities George a little bit and is like, come here, bud. I'll be your friend. <laughs> I just yeah. think that they're both kind of pathetic. And like... I don't know, like, they're just like, five miles in 50 minutes. And I'm like, the 10-minute mile pace. Good job. Good job. It's, like, mediocre. And then Burke's like, I think we can get it down to 45. And we're like, I sure hope so. And then they're just, like, pancakes. And, you know, in old, like, Hollywood movies, this that's how they used to indicate that two people just had sex. Like, smoking a uh, well, even, a cigarette or making pancakes in the morning. What? Yeah. Well, even... They weren't allowed to show like, it. Cause there's of a the... season in Friends where, like, the joke is that, um, like, Joey would, like, meet a girl and basically have, like, a one-night stand, and then he would leave, and then his roommate would make the girl pancakes and, like, basically be like, hey, Joey doesn't want to date you. I'm sorry that just happened to you. <laughs> yeah, like, that was, like, the joke. Though. Oh, yeah. Well, no, but I'm talking about when the um, production code was still... A thing they can't they couldn't show any of that stuff. What? Then the, the it, production. It was much co- more explicit in the earlier seasons, though. No, no, I'm talking about Hollywood, like in the 1940s and 50s. Oh. They couldn't show that sort of thing, so like they would. I. It's just kind of funny because George is like, "Let's make some pancakes, Burke," and they like come back sweating, and I'm like, "Oh, what happened?" That, pan- the, pancakes is kind of a weird. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, but not for that reason. It's also just it's a, also a post run. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, Christina's like, what's wrong with your hair? And then Burke is like, leave him alone. He has issues. <laughs> we talked it out on the run. Like, and your boss would even care about your personal problems. This is what I don't get about Burke. It's like he's so determined to make this bromance thing work for no apparent reason. Like, like what does he stand to gain from Burke this? Burke has no friends, so a friend. I think it's an ego play. Maybe. You think it's a power play? Yeah. I don't know. What's weird to me is that, like, attendings and interns are not allowed to date, but they're allowed to be BFFs. Like, that's also a conflict of interest. Yeah, kind of. I also feel like, in a way, Burke, like, even though he's like, oh, yes, I'm this wise, like, surgeon and all this stuff, I feel like, maturity-wise, he's like, 
less mature than like, he is old. I mean, like, if you look at it, like, he's dating an intern. He's best friends with an intern. Like, I feel like he's, like, in maturity, like, age is, like, lower than, like, what his actual age is. Yeah, but then there's also Derek, so. Yeah, well, Derek's just a weirdo. And then, like, they go for cappuccino. You gotta go Americano. I don't know what's wrong with them. Anyway, so next scene. Izzy's like, what happened to George's hair? Is he having a nervous breakdown? Yes. And then they all start, like, blaming Meredith, and they're like, you have to fix this, Meredith. I don't think this is really... I mean, she did cry during sex. I don't think this is super fair, though. Like, they just blame Meredith for George being a wuss. I mean, she could have said no, and instead she decided to say yes, and Mm, immediately regretted it. You weren't here last episode. We talked about why she kind of got herself into that situation, and whatever. But, um... So, yeah, I mean... George has every right to be a little bit Like, I think he has every right to be, like, upset with her. But then again, he was pushy. No, but he's being so immature. I'm like, what? I'm saying, like, I think, like, he has every right to be upset, but just, like, the way he's acting, and he's, like, he's milking it for all his words. Yes. Like, that's the thing. It's like, you can be upset, but, like... And it's like, George knows that everyone looks at him. But then it's also, like, they're all, like, Christina, like, not Christina... Meredith, you need to apologize. And she's like, how? Like, I have. Like, what else do you want me to do? And they're like, you need to fix this. And it's like, solve your own problems, people. Well, it's like, it doesn't matter how many times she apologizes if George doesn't want to listen. And then Alex says probably the funniest line of the whole episode. What's up with O'Malley's hair? It looks like a hobbit. (laughs) And then Izzy, he's just trying a new look. I love how Izzy just immediately defends George, (laughs) even though she was making fun of him. You know that look where it appears like a rabid dog chewed up your hair? That's George's new look, Alex. It's called style. (laughs) And then, like, Alex is like, you never call me back. Are you avoiding me? And Izzy's just like, yeah, pretty much. So (laughs) then we cut over to Denny's room. Denny is 36. He's basically like, Izzy, why are you ignoring me? And she's like, what? And then it's like... The show just pans over to Denny, and it's and like, that's why. Well, like, it's a, it's one of those crossover things, so it's like, Izzy says, Denny Duquette, age 36, over top of the previous scene, so the show literally screams why Izzy has been avoiding Alex. Mm-hmm. There's some serious flirting going on, which makes me wonder how nobody is noticing this. Well, let's be honest. Alex does notice, but he doesn't actually do anything about it. Yeah, his whole role this episode is just to pit. You know what I mean? Like, like he noticed it last episode, and he's like, I'm just gonna be a jerk to Danny, and, like, doesn't actually do anything about it. And then the other person in the room is Burke, and <laughs> Burke's probably like, oh, look, this is normal behavior. <laughs> I don't know social interactions. No, Burke starts noticing it in an episode or two. But yeah, but it takes him a while. Yeah, Alex is just going to be Dr. Cockblock this whole episode, so. <laughs> Cutting over to Addison and the Gibsons, and I'm sorry, but Mr. Gibson is creepy as fuck. He is so he's, creepy. Yeah, a little bit. Like, he's just like, wow, you bear a striking resemblance to a young Catherine De... I don't know how to say it. DeVoe. DeVoe, De- De- whatever, whatever, whatever the hell her name is. And like, the way he says it, and Addison's, like, face to him when he says it is just like, ew. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you've never heard that before? And she's like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey, I've been told I look like Halle Berry. <laughs> the way she said that. And everyone just kind of, like, looks at her and then, like, just keeps going. I mean, this guy's, his head is, like, too big. I don't know. There's something wrong with him. And her, his... <laughs> yeah, that's his problem. <laughs> his wife? Her so hair looks like a fountain <laughs> or something. It's, like... <laughs> It's disgusting. Is it blue? No, it's just like this weird, like, it's like really short and it like curves up. 
and it, it kind of looks like like a fountain or something. I don't know how to describe it. It's pretty horrendous. Also, but like, why is he like at least twenty years older than she is? I know. At least I thought it was his dad first. Like it was the dad <laughs> at least. And then at the end, when he was just like, "This is my uh, my daughter," I was like, "Ew." Wait. Oh, okay. So she's, you're the she's husband. Not dating her. So now we kind of get the first introduction of. The chief being a little biased towards Bailey because she just became a mom. Mm-hmm. Like, mommy tracking, kind of. And I just, like, she, like he's like, you're not going to take me to surgery with with you, like, are you, kind of thing. It's like, yeah, Richard, he's is, actually your new surgical is intern. He, yeah, like, is he dense? Like, that's a dumb question. There, some people say there's no such thing as a dumb question. He, that's a dumb question. He really likes cutting, Richard. <laughs> like, it was that... He's not actually asking that. Know. He knows that the baby's not going into surgery. He's just being a dick. Exactly. <laughs> he can. He's being a dick. And then, like, these three women look at him, and Addison's eyebrows are out of control. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, Elliot's doing the face. I don't understand how that face is possible. It's hilarious, though. These three women staring at Richard, and he's just like, uh. He's like, oops, gotta go. <laughs> Zoink. She looks like she's coming out of anesthesia. <laughs> how does she move her eyebrows? Like I that? don't understand how her eyebrows do that. They like, like, like in a drawing, if you made little triangle eyebrows, that's what she's doing. Right and then now. you have Sherlock Holmes in the background. Yeah, I know. I'd notice that. Wait, what? White man in the background. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so let's meet our fur. Not our first patient. Let's meet. Kyle and Sylvia. They were at the Hotel Monaco having brunch. Monaco. Looks like a nice place. I did Google Maps it. Oh, it does. Oh, it's real? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. In Seattle. Interesting. Meredith and Derek are flirting with each other like crazy in this scene. Um, Also, I love he's just like, and I grabbed the fork off the table, and it was just instinctual, and it was like... What if you grab like the steak knife or something, man? Like I severed her carotid artery. <laughs> like, the what the takeaway of this whole scene is is that Meredith and Derek are adorbs and they're flirting with each other over this patient. And then Bailey gives Christina Tucker Jr. to watch for the episode. How did you like this storyline? Was it a little bit too cutesy for you at times? I thought it was more funny than cutesy. I thought it was just a little bit too like. You mean her bringing the baby to work? Well, like, and then having Christina deal with the baby. I thought it was more humorous. Well, no, that's what I mean. Honestly, like, it's, it's just not, a little bit too, like, uh. If you think about it, it's like an abuse of power. It's like, that's well, yes. not in her job description at all. Well, so yeah. she And Christina find, kind of basically tells her that at the end of the episode. Yeah, I mean, she needs to find a proper child care facility. She's it's not a, poor. She's <laughs> an... Uh, Bailey didn't go to work thinking that that's what she was going to do, though. The daycare was full, that's what they said, for for that day. And so she was waiting until Tucker was able to take the yeah, baby. Yeah, because there's only one daycare in all of Seattle. In the hospital. It the doesn't hospital matter. Daycare. Find one nearby. That's what I'm saying. No, but I'm saying that they did do a hand-wavy explanation for why. It yeah. wasn't like she was like, oh, um, part of your job for my interns now is you all take the baby a different day. It was a last-second choice. Yeah, she well, didn't come still, to the hospital thinking she was going to do that. In my opinion, it was an abuse of power. Still, it well, doesn't yeah. matter. Well, yeah, but my point is, is that she didn't put it on the schedule. It's not like she thought she was going to do it. Anyways, now we get George and Callie. And can I just first say, in this scene, George is one hundred percent being the creepy one. Like, 
I did a few times. I just hung up every time. That's creepy, George. That's creepy. Yeah, but then, you know, Callie. And like nice, very stalker like. <laughs> and then Callie just probably punches him in the face. And, and just like I make you nervous, don't I? You she make everyone nervous. Well, Callie's just like she can I'm, break him over his knee, her knee. <laughs> I make you nervous, don't I? And George is like a little, and she's like, "That's good." And I'm like, "Ugh." She just creeps me out. See, that's like she seems nice, but also like it's just like the creepy, but weird as as hell. Like she you know seems like, nice, but no. Like I feel like George is like not getting the creeper vibes, but like if this was anyone else, they'd be like, "This girl has like creepy like dolls or something in her basement." Like I don't know. I can't tell you quite yet what it is about Callie I don't like, but. She just rubs me the wrong it's way. It's just like, you know what I mean? Like, at first, you're like, okay, you know, she's like, hey, like, you didn't call me. And then it's just like, I make you nervous, don't I? And you're like, Ooh. And she's like, that's good. Also, let's let's not forget that she specifically, like, knows weird specifics about him. Like, oh, you're the heart in the elevator guy? Ooh. You're single? And I'm like, ugh. I think my issue with her is that she's so needy. So true. Oh, my she's God. She's really, really needy and she's high so maintenance. And, yeah, and... If you, also, if you don't, like, give her attention all the time, you're going to be in a world of trouble with her. Also, her hair. Ugh, still terrible. It kind of looks like there's, like, a mop on her Why is head. it so wet? It looks wet all the time. She probably puts grease or something. Why? Like, it looks like to a give mop. It, to give it volume. Not that I'm a woman or know anything about this, but... <laughs> Elliot almost has a buzz cut. She's Crisco right? head. <laughs> Crisco head. That's yeah, so true. He has voluminous hair. Um, yeah. I just... Straightest, shortest I mean, there's a way to put gel in your hair and make it look good, i.e. Derek. And then there's Callie, who looks like like, there's a dead animal on top of her. Her hair gets better as, like, the seasons go on. Arguably, from this season, it gets better. So, thankfully. But, like, people styling her, what are you doing? Yeah, and you know what? I'm starting to get to the, the point where I'm realizing that Pretty much almost every scene Callie's in, she does one thing that annoys me. And so Becca and I have talked about this, and we're going to start something that we're going to lovingly call the Callie Tally. And instead of saying every single time we're annoyed with her, you're just going to hear this sound effect. That was loud enough. So, yeah. Um, When she goes, you want to see something really cool? All right. Moving on. Uh, she gives him serial killer eyes, so... Anyway, so we cut over to this scene with this little guy named Heath, which is just a horrible name, but his so finger... True. Like, how the hell does that happen? And he's just like, yeah, this is normal, right? No! No, it's not normal, Heath. How is it possible for your finger to look like that? <laughs> you know what else I is not normal? I read on nutsforhockey.com that I can play with this. You want to know what's not normal also, Heath? Your name. Your name is Heath. You are named after Candy Bar Heath. Is there toffee inside of you? In, in his and like, brain. And the way he just does it, he's just like, yeah, like, my hand got tangled in the mesh and I started hearing pop. It was like, he says it so calmly. Like, your finger is like bent at a 90 degree <laughs> angle. And Heath. Gray and blue. And your name is Heath. <laughs> anyway. What the hell is wrong with you? Heath. One thing that I will say about the George and Callie relationship, though, is that this is the first relationship we've seen in this show with a superior woman and, like, 
an intern guy, like a younger guy. Like, think about it. You have... It's because the women have sense, okay? Let's be real. No, Except for Callie. But, yeah, it's so true. But think about it. You have, um... Derek you have Meredith. Derek Meredith. You have Christina. Burke. Burke. And then you have Alex and Izzy, who are, like, the same, you know? Mm-hmm. But we've never had, like, any older woman going for a younger guy. Which is interesting. Honestly, I think it's because she's so high maintenance, she doesn't care who she ends up with. <laughs> like, she would date Karev, even though she hates him. Just if he, like, I don't know. Pretended to be George? Pretended to care, I guess. So then we cut over to Meredith pulling the fork out of Sylvia Smith. <laughs> which is something that you don't get to say very often. No. And then I like how she just goes, oh my god, I didn't even feel anything. You're amazing. She's don't amazing. tell Meredith that. And her neck explodes. <laughs> <laughs> don't and, tell Meredith that. And Meredith's just like, I could add that to my resume. She goes, I know, because I'm Meredith fucking gray. Pro fork <laughs> remover. Exactly. From next. And then Kyle goes, how much do you know about this Dr. Shepard? And Meredith is like, well, I know quite a bit about him, including what he looks like naked. <laughs> She's probably like, oh, I know a few things. I know what takes him there. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, all right. <laughs> eh, whatever. They they want to talk to Derek. Yeah. That so, makes one what of do us. you think about the fact that she doesn't want to get her like brain aneurysm checked by Derek? Like, do you think she's just trying to protect herself and her husband? Is she like scared of potentially getting a surgery? Like, oh, I think it's because she literally would rather die than live the mediocre life that she had before. Yeah, which we find out like soon yeah, that exactly. her husband was being super indifferent towards her i mean if kyle is supposed to be symbolic of Derek in this episode a man who starts taking his wife for granted so like would meredith be the aneurysm then in this metaphor because Derek is kyle addison meredith would be the woman in this metaphor no 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 Derek is kyle addison is sylvia and meredith is the aneurysm right because it took meredith to wake up Derek. That he to the fact that he's been ignoring Addison. Or Mark is the aneurysm. Because Mark woke up Derek. I don't think there no, was any he did it though, because Mark just kind of made Derek leave. So the aneurysm is this case. I guess. Whatever. The aneurysm is Sylvia's brain aneurysm. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Metaphors. Mind blow. <laughs> Especially if that it's, aneurysm burns. The aneurysm <laughs> in the aneurysm. Oh yeah, that was kind of a <laughs> kind of a bad thing to say for brain aneurysm, right? We flash back over to Denny and Alex being a little turd. He's so pathetic in this episode, and I love it. This is literally him being like, hmm, Izzy seems into this man. You know, instead of reporting it to, like, Burke or someone who could actually take care of this, because this isn't right in the hospital, I'm just going to be a dick instead. <laughs> he is such a dick. Okay, here's the problem with Alex, though. The more he does this kind of shit... The less Izzy wants him, and yeah. the better Denny looks. I can see where he's coming from, though. Like, if, if another guy just started hitting on my woman, I probably would not yeah. like him. Which, like, much. I get, like, that whole thing, but, like, just the way he says it, well, I'll just have to be settled on being Izzy's type. And you're like, ugh. But it's, it's like he's so, in, like, insecure about it. Like, you, you know, know what, what I mean? mean? Like, like, I feel like a real person would be like, hey, like, Ian and Izzy are kind of together, like, can you, like, back off? You know what I mean? Like, not being like, yeah, like, pretty much, you know. Like, ugh. Ugh, stop. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, you know. And Denny's like, congratulations. But the thing... <laughs> congratulations on making this moment. Oh, about, about me. Exactly. You're terrible, Dennis. So, 
If anyone gets that reference, actually, let us know, please. The You're terrible at tennis. I'm going to leave. Okay. So I'm in a film studies class right now, and we're learning all sorts of things about, like, um, how they represent things in media and in film. And what I find interesting is that, like, so we just learned about disability in film. And one of the movies we watched was Rear Window and how the active male is is taken away in that movie because he's stuck in a wheelchair. And I find that kind of interesting because, like, he is no longer the active male. He can no longer move the plot. So that way his girlfriend basically has to move the plot for him, which is very big deal in the 1960s. But what I've realized is that Alex, he is so obsessed with being this manly man, you know, like being like the man and he's made fun of George for not having enough testosterone, you know, he was a wrestler, whatever. But he is losing Izzy to this this quote unquote disabled guy stuck in a hospital bed. And there's nothing sweeter than the karma of that. Mm-hmm. Of that this man who's stuck in a hospital bed and isn't the manly man is still still stealing his uh, girl away. And I'm like, in your freaking face, Alex. This is sweet. Let me cut over for <clears throat> basically the comic relief storyline is Christina taking care of this baby. And she's like, she's struggling so hard. And the chief just coming in, and I swear every single time James Pickens Jr. gets to say the the line, carry on, carry on. Like, and he like stumbles over it is funny every time. Like he did it in the episode where Addison got poison oak, which was last episode. And he's just like, oh, no, no, just carry on. It's funny every time. It's like when he was just like, uh, Adele's sister's in town. I hate that woman. So then we kind of get this scene with Sylvia and Meredith where Sylvia admits that she's, as she says, a little in love with her prognosis. Because it woke her up. She is now woke. Do you think Addison would feel the same way? If she like got like a death sentence? I mean, yeah. And like that caused Derek to be like, I love you again. I don't know. Like... Don't get me wrong, like, I get what she's saying and how it, like, woke her marriage up, but, like, at the same point, like, she doesn't seem upset at all about the fact that she, like, could die at any moment. Um, yeah, I know. You know what I mean, though? She's just like, me and my aunt and we're good friends. And I'd be like, yeah, like, I'm glad it woke up my marriage, but at the same time, like, I'm gonna die. (laughs) Exactly, and it's like, why can't I be woke from this, um, aneurysm, and then, like, I continue to have a woke relationship. Yeah, or, like, I had this aneurysm, it woke my husband up, and I now- got surgery, it got fixed, and now we still have a good marriage, and we can actually, know grow old together. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Also, we have not mentioned it yet, and I feel terrible. Kyle's glasses are tiny. Like, they are for a two-year-old. <laughs> I don't understand that man's I think that was a style in the early 2000s. Kind of extended into the mid-2000s. That's kind of funny, because the 90s were huge. Now they're really big again. Yeah. Like, it's really weird. I tried to find small ones, because I prefer them, and um, I couldn't. I had to settle for medium size. Yeah, yours aren't that big. But, you know, but, like, people have, like, the bigger ones. I know. I know, they look like Kim Jong-il or something. (laughs) Or Harry Carey. Um... (laughs) <laughs> Modern Love by the Last Town Chorus starts playing. Mm-hmm. So we basically just have this scene 
where Addison is trying to get attention from Derek, and he just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he literally does not care. He cares more about the French actress that she's talking about more than he cares about his hot wife. And he, like, she's like, yeah, one of my patients, her husband actually said I looked like her. And Derek is like, mm, nope. He's like, yeah, she's hot, and you look nothing like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is really, like, where we begin to see that, like, Derek is so indifferent towards Addison. Because if we know for a fact that if Meredith had come in, and even if she said something like, my patient just told me I looked like Big Bird, he would have been like, oh my god, really? And, like, cared. Yeah, he would have been like, I've always had a thing for Big Bird. <laughs> like, he would have been all over that. Like, even if she said something, like, ridiculous, like, this patient just said I looked like a man, he would have been like... I don't Call know. me gay. <laughs> he would have said something like, you know, like Derek was just kind of like, hey, your patient said what? <laughs> I mean, and no, but actually that is true because a scene exactly like that exists in season six. So you're right. Back to Izzy and Denny playing Scrabble. And this is a red flag, like that the, the hospital staff is just ignoring. The fact there are so many red flags that like, hmm, this is getting far. Like this is like they've played Scrabble. A couple times, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they, they're hanging out. Like, this is not just like, hey, I'm your doctor. Like, ain't nobody's playing Scrabble with, like, Mr. Gibson or something. <laughs> and also, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> you know? But Hide like, your kids. But Hide your wife. Does she have anything else to do? Like, I find it really hard okay. to believe. That. Here's what I do like about this story. You, like, see headlines like this on the news, you know, where it's like... Doctor plays Scrabble with... <laughs> no, no, like... Patient. Like where it's like, you know, some sort of um, ethical thing in a hospital, and you're like, how the heck did nobody notice? How did this happen? You know, like, are I people blind? I don't think it's a lapse of ethics. I just think it's unrealistic. No, it's a, no. I'm talking about later what happens between Denny and Izzy. Oh, yeah. It's a lapse of ethics. And you're like, how did nobody see this coming? Weren't there signs and stuff like that? I've seen headlines like that. And I like that they're showing that this is how something like this would happen. By the way, I um, used a word unscrambler to try to figure out what her Scrabble letters could possibly be. Nothing. Except screw. One was die, actually. That was kind of interesting. But that didn't use all the letters, so. And Denny's just kind of, like, asking if she and Alex are together. And she's just like, I mean, kind of. But no, not really, so no. And he's just like, oh, thanks for clearing that up. Which, like, did she? Because that was, like, the most roundabout answer ever. Yeah. Who really? <laughs> yes, but maybe no, and I don't really know, and kind of, and sometimes. I really like how they get closer and closer to their faces, though, in this scene. Like, the way that it's shot is interesting to me. They just, like, keep zooming in. They, they start with, like, a mid-shot, and then they get in a close-up shot. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, he starts having issues breathing. And Burke basically is like, he wants to install what they call an LVAD, mm-hmm. a left ventricular assist device. It's a battery operated machine to help pump your heart. Or as Danny says, they're trying to turn him into a robot. Yeah, which is cheesy as freak, Danny. Come on, you can do better than that. Anyway, so directly following that, that scene where Danny was like, Alex might have said something, um, we get this scene with Izzy and Alex. So this is, I actually do want to do the dialogue here. So who wants to be Alex because I want to be Izzy? I can be Alex. Okay. 
What? You paged me to the on-call room to talk? No. I paged you to the on-call room to yell. Why the hell did you talk to Denny about us? You had no right. Oh, right, because you never talked to Denny about personal- I don't talk to him about our sex life, Alex. That is between us. Oh, got it. So none of your friends know that we're sleeping together? I'm sorry, are you saying that you and Denny are friends now? No, I don't become friends with my patients, Is. You're an ass. You feel threatened by him. That is why you did that. There is no other reason. You're his doctor, Izzy. And he's your half-dead, possibly soon-to-be-all-dead patient. How can I possibly be threatened by that guy? I can't believe you just said that. Someone's got to. They Alex both make... is 100% right in this instance. But also Izzy is. How? Because the only reason why Alex said that was um, because he's he feels threatened. He should feel threatened. She's she's basically falling in love with this guy. I think they're both in the wrong. Izzy is wrongly flirting with Denny, but I also don't think Alex was in the right beat, like, saying that either. Like, I mean, he wouldn't have had to if Izzy hadn't been openly flirting with him and whatever, but... This just proves that Alex doesn't deserve her, though. Because he doesn't want her flirting with patience? No, because if he really did care about her they wouldn't be in like if she really loved alex and he really loved her he would never say something that hurt her so badly and she would never need to go to denny she would never if she really liked him she would never flirt with denny in the first place okay well then she needs to break up with alex and she does she doesn't before she flirts with denny well, I mean... And that's like emotional cheating. There's, Well, yeah, there's a lot of overlap, though, in reality, too. That happens. I mean, people meet somebody else that they're like, whoa, okay, you're I'm, so much better than the person I'm kind of casually sleeping with. I'm going to go for you. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying the fact that we can't right. judge Izzy for doing it is beyond me. Like, well, I mean... She's obviously in the wrong here. That's what I'm saying. I don't think she is, so I disagree. I think that they're casually sleeping with each other, and it's, like, super casual. Alex has been a complete ass to her in the past, so it's kind of like she's not as in it as he is, and she's just not realizing how much more in it he is, and she's just like, oh, this is awkward now. But anyway, what I wanted to say about this scene, I feel like... The possibility of Denny staying in the hospital is irrelevant for Izzy. I think Izzy is just sick of the drama that always seems to surround Alex. Alex and Izzy's relationship is a complete foil to the Izzy-Denny relationship. And I think for Izzy, for like the first time in her entire life, she is seeing that a relationship like hers and Denny is great and easy and comforting and like super safe. And it's exactly what she wants. And she's like... Wow, I don't have to date assholes like Hank and Alex. You know what I mean? And so her standing up for herself against Alex is symbolism. Alex is just a placeholder for all the shit that she's been through with all the the guys, you know, in the past. Like the one that got her pregnant and didn't stick around because we never even heard who it was, you know, Hank and Alex and all these assholes, you know, and Denny is a symbolic placeholder for the kind of relationship she wants. So... I'm confused. Why does she feel the need to date these people who treat her so badly? That is a self-esteem issue. So she has low self-esteem. She did. And now she's realizing that she can have more than these assholes who only want her because she's hot and blonde. Because some people are able to look past that. 
It's a sad truth. I think on some level, though, Alex does care about her. Oh, he no, he 100% does. I think he does, he just doesn't realize it. I think he does, he just doesn't know what to do with it. He doesn't know how to care about somebody, and he's doing it all wrong. Well, I mean, she kind of knows his messed up backstory, so... I think she has to cut him a little bit of slack if he's not... Yeah, but like when what I'm saying is that when it really comes down to it, she has a choice right now in between this guy who causes a drama hurricane wherever he goes and has treated treated her like crap in the past, or this guy who has never treated her wrong, is sweet and kind and loving, and she's choosing the relationship that she wants for the first time in her life. She gets she gets that, you know, great relationship that she's never had before. And I think it's it's not about Alex or Denny. It's not about Alex versus Denny. It's about Izzy. She's in this personal growth phase. That's why I love it. So let's cut back to Mr. Heath Barr. Mm-hmm. Basically, he wants to play in this game tonight because scouts are coming and they're kind of like, no, you can't because your finger is bent 90 degrees. Your finger's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. And. You said that you think that Callie does a good job connecting with patients, right? Well, I was going to say, so ultimately Callie ends up being not one of my favorite characters, but I do really like this storyline for her. I don't know. I just, I feel like she really connects with like this kid and it just, I don't know. I think it's a good storyline. Yeah. I mean, I think Callie does connect with patients. It's just, I don't know. It's like she They just, need to have grizzly bone injuries first. I just don't <laughs> enjoy her character as much as I enjoy, like, when Izzy, Meredith, or Christina connects with a patient. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm just having trouble with her character right now. And then, so we have So Wet. Wait. Um, Wait. Whatever. By the orbs. Herbs. Herbs. Whatever. <laughs> we have this Lunch scene. Weird, weird-ass scene between Mr. Gibson and Addison. He is such a creeper. He's like, like there's my wife's test results. If Callie like, took the fuck away. If Callie became a middle-aged man, it would be this guy mm-hmm. because that's how creepy. And Georgia's Addison. Um yeah, and Addison's like, oh god. I actually can't believe that his stupid stumbling works. Um and Addison's like you're going to eat that pudding and I was like charming. Uh then we transition from Addison, we just turn the camera over to the the interns at a table. Mm-hmm. And basically, Christina's trying to pawn off Bailey's baby on anyone. Izzy's like, have you talked to Meredith yet? And George goes, tomorrow I'm uh, gonna buy a t-shirt that says, stop asking me about Meredith, and I'm gonna wear it every day until people stop asking me about Meredith. See, but I feel like a t-shirt with that would just make people ask more questions. Exactly. Also, we need to start selling those. Because I feel like we can make a mint on those for the true Grey's Anatomy purists. And then, like, so they're basically, like, Meredith comes in and, you know, George leaves. This is where it's gotten to. People are literally running away from Meredith when she comes into a scene. But, like, they're like, Meredith, stop him. Like, what is she supposed to do? Just, like, run him down and tackle him? Exactly. And she says that. It's like, what am I supposed to do? I've tried. Mm Mm-hmm. And she, like, still defends him. Like, Christina's, like, complaining about him. And she's like, he's a good roommate. If you tell him what's annoying you, he will stop. And Izzy's just like, he would still be our roommate if you would apologize. And Meredith is like, you know what? I have apologized. And like what she says, it takes two to make a stupid sexual decision. 
Exactly. Meredith should know better than anybody. Well, I get. Was it stupid for him to to? I think it was stupid in the fact that he like literally was just like, "I'm in love with you, Meredith," and and was like, "Now let's have sex." Yeah, there's like right away. Like that seems like a red flag to me. Like immediately, Meredith doesn't even say anything back. She just is like, "Take off your clothes." Like, I don't know. I I think there's like a little bit of a red flag there. Yeah. But, again, I mean, like, yeah, it's I mean, if he asks her and she says yes, how's that stupid on his part? I don't think he asked her. Oh, well. He was just kind of like, I'm in love with you. And then it just kind of like. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying that he did something super wrong. It's just the way he's dealing with it is like. Just grow up. He's just like, as soon as she sits down, he's like, I'm out of here. Like, Meredith will just be like, and I get, like trying to talk to him, and he's just like, ignore. But, like, the thing is, is, like, I get him being upset with her and all this stuff, but, like, he won't even talk to her in a work setting. Like, that's bringing things to work and being inappropriate in a work setting. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he's so immature about it. It's like, just grow up. Like, I get, you know, like, not wanting to live there and, like, not yeah. being friends with her and, like, that's all valid. that stuff. But, like... He's bringing it to work, and it's like, what if you guys get put on a case together, and, like, the patient's gonna be like, well, this is super awkward, like... So then we cut... Meredith then leaves, and she's just like, you know what, I'm done. And she goes to hang out with Derek on the Bridge of Man Pain. Um, they're eating... <laughs> is that what you call it? Yeah. They're eating lunch together, and... It runs over Testosterone Creek. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Oh, my God. Um, And Derek's not even trying to hide it anymore. Like, he's standing in the most open part of the hospital. And it's just kind of rude. Like, it's just plain rude to his wife. Oh, you mean that he's talking to her? That he's just like, I'm going to be friends with Meredith now, okay, wife? But then we find out in the scene that he actually hasn't told Addison. Yeah, I love that. I... Ellen, the way Ellen speaks, I don't know why, but she's like, does Addison know we're friends? Like, I don't know why. Okay, but I feel like this is, you're trying to have it both ways here. Exactly. Because, no, hear me out. So, Meredith and George merely talking at work doesn't make them friends. But then when Meredith goes to talk to Derek, it's like they're best buds. When, in fact, they could be discussing something really professional. So, it's a double standard, is what I'm saying. What it, I'm confused on what you mean. What I mean is you can talk to someone about yeah. professional things and not be their best friend. I know, but like... The Especially way that, if you're at work. But like, the way that they're standing, like they're just kind of like hanging out and like eating lunch together and it doesn't look like they're talking about professional... Like normally it's like the doctor will be like, hey, did you get blah, blah, blah's like blood work back? And they're just like, no. And then it, like, takes, you know, like, a couple seconds, and then they walk in opposite directions. It's not like they hang out and eat lunch together. I don't know. I don't think this is as bad as, like, when, like, they're, like, hanging out with Doc and, like, Yeah, but then nobody's really seeing it. But you have to think, like, he's, I mean, he'd have to be, like, openly lying. He is openly lying to to Addison. Yeah. About it, which I think is the ultimate problem with this situation. The way he chews this sandwich in this scene will never not bother me. Everyone go back and look at the way he chews this sandwich. So, moving on. No, and then he, like, gets all upset when, like, he sees Addison across the way talking to a patient's, you know, husband. And he's just like, what? You're saying I can't have my cake and eat it, too? I'm Derek. But it's also, like, the same situation, kind of like what he was saying is, like, 
She could just be talking to him about his wife. Like, he doesn't know. Yeah, I mean, but she was just, like, leaning back and laughing. She's like, Exactly. No, that's that's perfect. (laughs) Like, eating the pudding and laughing and the guy, like, flirting. Twirling her hair. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, he's so disgusting, I don't even think. Who, Derek? No, um, Mr. Mr. Gibson. Gibson. Nothing about uh, him would uh, get me going. Oh, good to know. (laughs) Uh... We're cutting over to Kyle and Derek after Sylvia just exploded. Not her aneurysm, but her personality. And Kyle's like, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry if my wife offended you. And Derek's like, no, actually, I don't really give a shit. And um, (laughs) Kyle then has a parallel with Derek. This is the moment. He's like, I didn't notice her. For 15 years, I didn't notice her. When we got married she was everything and sometime somewhere along the way i stopped noticing her i stopped seeing her and since she's been sick she's all i've seen and i hate that that's what it took i hate it and i'm sorry but i love her and i don't want her i don't want my wife to die please talk to her and derek's like i get it because mm-hmm. basically kyle and sylvia are derek and addison yeah exactly. and derek was indifferent towards addison in new york and that's ultimately, like, why she cheated. Yep. Because she, like, wanted to feel loved, kind of, or she whatever. She wanted somebody that wanted her. Yeah. yeah. And But it's, like, interesting because it's, like, not only did that drive Addison to cheat back in New York, but now Derek is just literally falling into the same pattern mm-hmm. here in Seattle, and he's kind of, like... But it's even worse now because it's for another woman. Yeah. Like, in New York, it wasn't for another woman. Okay, so she cheats first. Yeah. And he leaves her... Uh-huh. And then it's not okay when he goes all the way across the country, starts over. Oh, that's starts, not okay. Starts sleeping with someone else. That's, oh, that's not okay. okay. And then she follows him because that's not okay because she cheated first. Like, hello, double standards. Yes, Elliot. The whole point of this show is that it's not black and white. That's the whole point of the show is that you can be on one person's side and say, wow, they're really wrong. But then the other person is also really wrong, but they're also kind of both right. That's what the whole show is. It's How is Derek in the wrong here? I don't understand. Because I mean, when you get married, married but... you're not supposed to sleep with other people. Okay, tell Addison that. Exactly! They're both in the wrong, but they are also both have a point. That's the whole point of Grey's Anatomy. It's shades of gray. You can't 100% be wrong on this show and can't 100% be right. That's the beauty of this show. Unless you're Meredith. And then she's right all the time because she's Meredith, bitch. Yeah. I mean, Derek was wrong in the sense that he didn't tell Meredith. But, like, he thought it was just going to be a one-night stand and that was it. So I don't really blame him for that. Especially since Addison cheated first. I think the main problem with, like, I mean, like, obviously, like, I don't agree with the fact that he's sleeping with someone while that he's married. I think the problem is then he pursued a relationship with Meredith while still married, and while not telling Meredith about that. And then he was like, why is Meredith mad at me? Feel bad for me. And it was like, no, you're the one that effed up. Like, Oh, and by the way, the cherry on top is they work together, and he's her boss. (laughs) Well, yeah. Like, uneven power dynamic, totally unprofessional uh, behavior in the workplace. (laughs) Elevator. You, You don't mention the fact that you're married, and then you try and pursue a relationship. Like, all... I, and then he's and then he's basically like Meredith, I'm the victim. Be sad for me, and she's like, no, no. And then he's just like, you know, I could go back to New York. That's what my wife wants me to do. But instead, I'm going to stay in Seattle, move my wife out of here, 
and rub take it in your, your face. <laughs> take your dog, be friends with you, and just rub it in both your faces. Yeah. But at the same time, you know that this is killing Derek. Like, they're throwing each other, they're lighting each other on fire. Like, themselves on fire for the other person. Like, yeah. you know that I don't know why Meredith agreed to try to be friends with him. Because she can't, she can't stop. She she loves him. She wants she to be just around just take him. her mother and move away. He's her drug. <laughs> He's my drug. <laughs> that was a good one. That anyway. was a deep cut. Also, I love this next scene where we just get this little interaction with Addison and Bailey because you know that after last episode, they're like besties. They're like BFFs. Oh, yeah. But this is so sad. Like, listen to how self-defeating this is. I had lunch with my patient's husband today. He paid attention to me, Miranda, for a whole half hour. And Bailey's just like, there's something wrong with you. (laughs) Yeah, Bailey's like, having (laughs) Having meals with someone else's husband is not going to solve your problems. So true. Which she should have learned back in New York, but didn't. And it wasn't meals. Okay, Elliot. I, I'm just saying, like, I, I don't understand how she's in the right here in any way. Addison? Yes. Um, I mean, you so, said uh, Shades of Grey or whatever, but... Well, it's like, I think it's she's not a that human she's, being. I think it's I mean, not that she's in the right. I think it's that even though you're like... Addison was the one that cheated. She did something wrong. It's then you hear the backstory, and it's like, I know she did something wrong, but, but at the same time, I feel bad for her. You can sympathize with And her. it's like that thing. It's not being like, no, she was right to cheat on him, because she wasn't. Like, she wasn't right to cheat on him at all. I think it's just that you, like, have that, like, there's more than one side to a story kind of thing. It's like... And there's more than one layer. And it's like, yes, cheating was the, like, probably... Th- furthest jump from like what she should have done yeah she should have sought therapy if she really cared about it yes but but she's also a human being so like it's like like having that sympathy yeah kind of being like wow derek was kind of a jerk too like not that i condone what she did but and derek said that last episode she he goes i was just a little absent not that that gives her any right to do what she did but i i was absent you know? And he's even starting to realize that there is more than one... Le- Mr. Black and White is actually starting to realize that there's more to the story. Anyway, so then there's Christina trying to feed the baby, and George just comes up and is... Like, the baby just stops crying. How did they do this? Like, production-wise. It's just sound effects, Do you think probably. it was, like, ADR'd in? Yeah. Um... And Callie comes up. and the, But the be- I like, I love the part where she's just like, oh, George, I scheduled this surgery. And they're, like, having this moment. And then Christina's like, I'll do it. And Callie just, like, looks over at her like, what the She hell? goes, who are you? And then Christina goes, I'm Christina. Like that. I don't know why. That was so perfect. But just, like, Callie's face to Christina is just like, you're busting into my romantic scene here. Get out. Yeah, with this hobbit-haired man. Yes. <laughs> the way their hair combined. The way he's looking at her in that scene. He looks like a murderer. Makes him look like he's giving her the like serial killer eyes now. Mm-hmm. And I then mean, Callie's like, this is the last invitation I'm extending, so balls in your court. And then George is like, okay. And then Christina's like, seriously? And George is like, seriously. And I'm like, ew, don't brag about this. And then I love Christina. Thinks she has a couch you can sleep on. Yes. So then Derek goes and talks to Sylvia, and he goes, I understand you're tired of settling, so don't. Fight. Fight for your life. Fight for your marriage. Let me operate. And make a decision right now that you'll never settle again. Stop accepting crap and demand more. Mm-hmm. Bam. 
And I think Derek is finally waking up to the crap that he put Addison through. Uh, this next scene, I have to say, I love every single thing about this scene. I love this scene. I love the concept, what it's about, the tone, the way it's shot, the way it's acted, the lighting, and the sound. We're gonna do this scene because I love this scene. So this is the scene where Izzy is trying to get Denny to get the surgery for the LVAD. And I love it because she starts off super calm and it's like she's like thought of points. She's just like, I'm going to make this point and this point. I'm going to like, you know, say all this. And she's acting like a doctor at first. See, it's, it's great because on the paper, she's speaking like a doctor. But the way that Katherine Heigl acts this scene, there's so much not being said that she is saying with her eyes. And well, that's and what I at love the it. end, it gets yes. to the not doctor side. Yes, and I love this. Like, she, she's saying stuff like, you know, I appreciate that. But the LVAD also has increased survival. You know, she's saying stuff that on like paper sounds like a fact. But then her eyes are just burning into the into the audience's soul. Oh, I love it so much. If Christina said it, it would be like ordering a sandwich. Exactly. <laughs> Catherine Heigl. Oh. Anyway, so let's start with... I'll have bread. <laughs> Ew. Is that your Christina voice? <laughs> Flawless. Anyway, so I'll be Izzy. The surgery will allow more time, and we need more time. We? We, um, your doctors need more time. And we need more time. So you'll be here? Every day. And as an added bonus, it'll really piss off Alex. <laughs> yes, that it will. Okay. 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 And then she's like, okay, okay. And I'm like, this is amazing. The chemistry between these two is undeniable. And I mean, like the actors are doing great at their jobs. Oh, And no. the little like tears in his eyes and at the end. Ugh. I also really liked the camera angles, like, yes. on Katherine Heigl's face. You know what I've noticed with Grey's Anatomy is they stopped doing the super close-up shots of people, like, later in the show. And I miss it because those close-up shots allow you to feel the emotion that the actor is portraying. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. when you get right up in somebody's face, you start feeling that emotion. Yeah. And getting that close to Izzy's face, Catherine's face, and when she covers her mouth because she's, like, freaking out, you know? And you can tell, like, she's shaking. And you're like, damn, this is a good scene. So then we cut over to the moron Heath, who has decided to cut off his own finger. Freaking Heath. Because he's, like, did this guy, like, Heath just, like, okay, like, cut off my finger. But, like, did he not bandage up his finger before shoving it in his glove? Yeah, that's my question. Because I would have, like, put like, layers of stuff on You know what I mean? Or, I'm like, not sure it would have mattered, honestly. Really? Probably not. The bacteria could probably... I mean, if you sweat in that thing, the bacteria can probably work its way through a bandage. Just because mm -hmm. it's so... But, like, even... What if you put, like, Neosporin or something What if you it? put, like, one of those, um, those surgical gloves on it, you know? And, like, taped mm. the glove around your hand and then put it in a glove. But, like, I still feel like that could have at least, like, helped. You know? Like, make it not as bad. Or something. I'm such an idiot. I don't know. That was, like... That was my question. Like, because they never actually address what he... Like... Because the way that he says it, it makes it just sound like he, like, just cut it off and then was like, here's my glove, let's go play. Like, wouldn't that be bloody all over the place, yeah. though? Like, yeah, I don't know. I have so many questions about this Heath. Duh, I'm Heath. It reminds me of Hank. Anyway, so then I, I actually kind of am into this when George and Callie are kind of fighting in this, or disagreeing in this surgery, mm -hmm. and 
Callie's like, well, he's got a passion and he sacrificed for it. You got to respect that. And George is like, no, you don't. And I'm like, exactly. Thank you, George. And then he goes, he cut off his own finger. A finger that would have healed perfectly in a few months. I get what Callie's saying. They're like, he's got passion. He sacrificed for it. And you're like, yes, but he cut off his own finger. <laughs> yeah. You're like, is, there's like a fine line. They're like... I, you know, I'm a runner. I pet hash for it. But if my leg's hurting, I'm not just going to cut it off and be like, yep, yeah, I'm fine. That's because you need a leg. Yeah, I was whatever, Becca. That wasn't the best metaphor. <laughs> or like a toe or something. You know what I mean? Like, if you get like a blister, you're not just going to be like, I'm going to cut off my toe. My like, scouts are coming. They can sew it back on. Anyway, and then Callie goes, sometimes you can't wait. Just want the pain to stop. So you cut it off. The problem and the pain. What do you think she's talking about? I don't know. Do you know. think she has a weird past? Which would so. not surprise me because she's weird. I but I like I like that line. It's intriguing. And you're kind of like, okay. So it's interesting that they threw this in when she's only been on the show for like two episodes. Yeah. But interesting. And George goes, I mean, if it's that painful to start with, even if you cut it off, there's always going to be that phantom pain. <laughs> which I love how she gets this. And it's just like... Your ex did a real number on you, huh? And it's just like, the audience is like, you have no idea. Yeah, Meredith is just like, you have no idea, bitch. I'm Meredith Grey. Ugh, I love this. So one by Tina Dicko? Dicko? Dicko. And you get this, like, really sweet scene between Kyle and Sylvia. And his tiny glasses. (laughs) And so, like, I just like, please don't die. I'll do my best. Like, they're cute. That's actually a line that's said later in Grey's Anatomy. No spoilers, but uh, not this season. Anyway, Bailey comes and takes... I just... I love... Oh, God, there's poop everywhere. Like, can you imagine being the next person to come into this on-call room? (laughs) (laughs) Like, why the hell does it smell horrid? (laughs) What is this under the bed? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What is under the bed? Like, Christina comes out and, like, somebody, like, she, like, holds the door for the next person walking in and then they just, like, collapse. They're like, oh, my God, what the hell did you do in here? But I feel like this is some insight into what Christina would be like as a mother if she didn't get that abortion slash have that miscarriage. Yeah, and I feel like that's not a mistake that they put that in there because they wanted to be like, look, this is why she didn't want kids. Like, she really doesn't want kids because she doesn't do well. And then we finally get Christina saying the obvious and kind of being like, Bailey, you abused your power and you could, like, I know you could destroy my career and whatever, but like, I'm not a babysitter. Mm -hmm. And it was like... Yeah, and then we get a series of surgeries with the Gibsons, with Danny. And then Addison, this is so self-defeating. Like, she just, like, fixes her hair and and then, like, goes in and, like, Mr. Gibson does not give a crap about her. And so, like, even her Derek proxy has lost interest in her. It's just a little depressing. And she's just like, what's wrong with me? Like, why aren't these men interested in me? Well, Mark was, but she didn't want Mark. Yeah, true. And then Callie has to explain to Heath why he's a f- moron. <laughs> and he's like, but I got it from the internet. And that's the whole that's the whole scene. I'm not a huge fan of Heath. I just, I don't understand. Who could be? Like, when you put your freshly severed finger into a grubby bacteria. Again, does he, does he not be like, hmm, maybe I should take... Like, he at least put his finger on ice. And was not like, what should I do with this bloody stump? <laughs> like, God damn it, Heath. Well, I mean, his mom did say that, like, he did say that there was no chance he would be able to go to college unless he got a, a hockey scholarship. I thought so most of that was money. Not very smart. Like, he needs a scholarship. I thought it was brains. 
Uh, it's definitely brains. <laughs> I mean, now it's probably a brain soup. I think it's money, too. Mm-hmm. And then then we get this scene between Meredith and Derek in the in the scrub room. This might have been used in season 12, 13, episode 8, I believe. They did some magical stitching together um, for the later season of an old scene. Anyway, uh, so Derek goes, Hey, Meredith, you know I was kidding this morning. I mean, you can tell me about this horrible thing. Come on, you can talk to me. As a friend? As a friend. There's a line between friends and not friends. And if I tell you this, if I tell you this whole horrible thing, then you have to react as my friend, not as my not friend. I can do that. All right, you tell me what's wrong. I'll tell you how to fix it. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. I slept with George. And a small part of Derek's soul dies. It's like, it's like, shit, where's my bridge? Oh my god. And it was a horrible mistake. And now everything has changed. And I don't know how to repair it. I don't even know where to start, but I just know that I have to and... Say something friendly. You tell him that. You find George and you apologize. That's what everyone is saying, but he won't listen. You make him listen. You tell him you're sorry. Just tell him again and again and again until he listens. How do I do that? Do what I do. Use the elevator. Which, like, even he knows that that's his, like, secret horrible office where he does inappropriate things. Yeah, he's like... (laughs) Oh, Meredith, you smell like lavender. In the, in the elevator. But besides that... Enter the Derek dungeon. But, like, besides that... <laughs> this is actually really good advice from yeah, Derek. And I'm, I'm, like, I'm mildly impressed. Good job, Derek. And he, like, controls himself. Like, he looks like he dies inside, but he doesn't explode. Well done, Derek. Well done. And there's no coincidence. None. That they have a brief, like, two-second scene of Derek looking contemplative on his man pain bridge in between this scene and the next scene. He's just like, shit, that did a number on me. So then we get... I love this speech. I'm going to read Meredith's speech here. Well, first we get Flying High by Jem playing. Great song. One of my favorites. Right. Now you can do And speech. Meredith runs and traps George's, George in the elevator. And she goes, she goes, you're trapped. And you don't have to talk. I'll do the talking. George, I am truly, very, deeply sorry. And I'm not going to make excuses. I'm just sorry. Look, I know you're going to get off this elevator and walk away and not look back. I know that. But George, we're friends. Real friends. And that means no matter how long it takes, when you finally do decide to look back, I'll still be here. I like this. I love that concept. It was like, look, I will wait this out. Yeah, I will she's take like, my punishment. Because she's like, look, I know that I messed up. Yeah. And, like, I know that you hate me for that. But, like, I'm going to wait it out because we're real friends and I'm going to be here for you no matter what. Yeah, because you're worth it to me. You're mm-hmm. worth it to wait it out. And I love that. It's not just her being like, you need to forgive me yeah. because I messed up and my dad was mean to me that day. And so, <laughs> like, this is why I made the mistake and that's a good excuse and you should excuse me and apologize. that was a beautiful meredith impression there anyway yeah i love that meredith took some ownership here it 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 makes meredith grow 
tenfold as a character to me. And I'm She's like, not being like Derek and being like, I'm the victim. Yeah. Feel bad for me. No, like Thank Meredith God. taking ownership here. Oh, and this is exactly <laughs> what we need. I love this. I know I just murdered someone, but take, I'm the victim. <laughs> Jorn, pay attention to me. Freaking Callie. Anyway. Oh, God. So then we cut over. That was the side effect. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, so true. Uh, um, to Denny and Izzy, mm-hmm. and so Denny cute. wakes up and he's like, "Hey, don't you have somewhere to be?" And Catherine Heigl yet again, like, like Speaking voice of- voice shaking, tears in her eyes, like this beautiful like half smile, half like, "Oh my God, I'm so like scared." She goes, "Yeah, yeah, I'm there." And, and I- it's so cheesy, but it's so beautiful. Can I just take a moment to say that Catherine's hair has looked amazing this entire episode? Yep. Flawless. Ugh. Ugh. She's awesome. Like, where was that hairstyling for Callie? The Ca- <laughs> okay. First of all, I take offense to, to, for you to even say that Callie could be in the same hair league as Izzy Stevens. I mean, if they, like, drained the grease out of her hair, maybe. <laughs> I swear, like, Callie could rub her hair on a frying pan and just, like, cook some eggs. That's how gross her hair is. <laughs> And then we get this weird ass scene where Christina just walks in and Burke and George are playing when the saints go marching in. What the hell? (laughs) Burke is like, he's shredding on his trumpet right now. And like, George is just killing that clarinet. Can I say though, George is so obviously faking that. I know, TR had to fake it. It's like, it's like... (laughs) It's like on Freaky Friday when the mom pretends that she can play guitar. That's what this looks like. It always bothers me when, like, they have these people and they're like, I'm a famous cellist player. And then they show her playing and I'm like, it's so fake. So bad. This, this <laughs> bromance or whatever you want to call it, it doesn't bother me in the sense that Christina hates it. It just bothers me in the sense that it seems so forced and does pointless. It, you know what I mean? Does it seem like, forced to you? It does. It huh. just seems like weird. Like, it is they weird. Like, both get over work and they're like, you know what we should do? Let's play. When the Saints go marching in. And like, TR's got like one of his feet like up on the up on the couch and he's just like going back and forth like fake playing this like clarinet and like I'm telling you, Burke has never loved his trumpet more than in this moment. Like, it is just incredible. Mm-hmm. It's a gift machine. Yeah. So let me get, like, a cute little scene with Sylvia living. Yippee. She's alive. Hip mm-hmm. hip. Hooray. Mm-hmm. And then we have Derek walking into the shit trailer in the Woods of Desolation. And he sits down and on the bed and just kind of stares at Addison. She's like, what? And he just is like, I was indifferent. You know, in New York before Mark, I was just indifferent towards you. And Addison's like, yes, I was absent. No doubt. (laughs) Yes. I'm partly to blame for what happened to our marriage. And she goes, yeah. And he goes, I'm sorry. I'm working on it. And she's like, okay. And it's like, all hope. And it's like, how can I root for them? Yet also root for Meredith and Derek at the same time. And I also like how they did that of like them kind of making up to then cut over to a scene of Meredith looking kind of despondent laying in her bed all sad. I love the, oh my god, the lighting in this where you can tell that she's staring at, it's like pitch dark, she's staring out the window and there's like rain on the window dripping down because it's like, it's so, it's so sad because she's just like, Meredith is just, 
losing people all left and right. You know what I mean? But it's just cool because, like, they had, like, the whole thing, like you said earlier, with, like, right after Meredith told her, and then they had that little scene of, like, Derek being sad on his man, bridge of man pain. Yeah. And then they did the same thing here. Yeah. And it's, like, also, at the end of the day, Derek goes home to Addison. You know what I mean? They're friends. They're talking. She's, like, enjoying being his friend or whatever. But at the end of the day, she's still alone. And she has one fewer person because she keeps... Pushing people away. Yeah, exactly. She keeps pushing people away, and it's it's sad, and I love her. Um, we've recently gotten a little bit of flack about, um, like, why we love Meredith so much, and kind of why we love Izzy so much. I don't know if we should, like, dive into this right now. I think with Meredith, though, the thing about her is that I'm not denying that she is a monster. Like, let's be honest, we talk about that at least once an episode. She's a terrible person. But watching her shit show of a life is one of the most Mm -hmm. amazing things for me. I just, it's like, if you want all of your characters to be morally great people, there's no show. I like how the characters mess up. Yes, they're not morally good either. And granted, like, half some of their mess ups are like... Oh, good God. Like... Yeah, but that's, like, the show. That's the point. We don't want to watch people that are perfect moral people, you know? You want... And it's interesting that... That's why I love this show. It's, like, they line you with people that have done horrible mm-hmm. things. And they make you say, look, they did a horrible thing, but feel some sympathy. I and think it's debatable that mm-hmm. Meredith is a horrible person. Because even though she does the wrong thing a lot of times, mm-hmm. it's because she's just confused. Yes. There's a difference between doing that and doing what Christina does, which is she does the wrong thing to either to advance herself. Or to hurt whether others. Whether personally or professionally or to hurt others. Yeah. And I think with her, it's a lot more... Like, she reminds me of a psychopath, like, engaging in <laughs> antisocial, anti-social behavior. Like, seriously. At least yeah. Meredith, even though she does the wrong thing, she at least feels some kind of remorse at the end of doing it. Yeah. And do you enjoy the character of Meredith Grey, uh, uh, Elliot? I do. I find her annoying at times, but overall, I think she's... And immature. Yeah. But overall, I think... I, I like her a heck of a lot better than Yang. Yeah. For sure. I just, I've always wondered, because I think Becca and I have talked it to death with each other, and I always like getting other people's point of views on it. And mm. yeah. I think Alex, even though he is an ass, it's kind of the same kind of thing, except with yes. him, it's it's less remorse and more just anger at himself. Yeah. Like that. self-loathing. Yeah, almost. kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then, I'm going to be honest, I think most of the reason I like the character of Izzy is because of what Katherine Heigl brings to the role. Can do with it, yeah. Because, like, so many of her scenes, it's... Like, if anyone else is in there, like, it's just the way she says the lines, the way, like, she communicates things with her, like, face and her eyes, and, like, using that. And I feel like that's why I like Izzy. Yeah, I, I mean... Like, if she was played by someone else who didn't do that, I feel like I wouldn't like her as much as a character. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we will definitely be talking a lot more about why we tend to give Izzy a, like, quote-unquote, give her a pass, even though I don't really feel like we do all the time, but we will be talking about that later in the season, so all of those who, you know, kind of give us a little bit of flag for how we deal with Izzy, um, I mean, obviously you don't have to agree with us, that's part of the point, but uh, we will try to explain. If you explain. don't, let us know why. Exactly. Get in touch with us. Um, so, closing speech. 
As doctors, as friends, as human beings, we all try to do the best we can. But the world is full of unexpected twists and turns. And just when you've gotten the lay of the land, the ground underneath you shifts and knocks you off your feet. If you're lucky, you'll end up with nothing more than a flesh wound, something a band-aid will cover. But some wounds are deeper than they first appear and require more than just a quick fix. With some wounds, you have to rip off the band-aid, let them breathe, and give them time to heal. The woman that played um, Sylvia is named Natalie Cole, and she's apparently an, like an amazing singer. And uh, fun fact from the wiki, Shonda Wilson, who plays Bailey, was like obsessed with her. Mm. And uh, that's it. Seriously count, two. And now we have some patient rankings. So, Elliot, do you think you could do this real yeah. quick in your head? Um, I'd like to hear your justifications first, and then I'll go last. Well, and spoiler, I lied last episode. I said I was going to rank Denny as my number one for every episode he was in, and I lied. Yeah. Okay, number four, Becca. Um, I hate Penny because, let's be honest... That's Mrs. Gibson. Oh, okay. Mrs. Gibson. Because, honestly... The whole point of her character arc was her husband, and he was creepy, and I didn't like them. <laughs> I, I mean, okay, yeah. Like, she, she herself served no purpose. Like, Heath was stupid, but at least he was endearing. Okay, no, no, hang on, hang on. But remember, it's not I know. what the patient, sometimes the patient doesn't have to have anything to do with it. It's what does the introduction of that patient and or the family do for the I main thought, characters? I don't know. I think... The, the whole Addison Derrick storyline thing could have been done with just the bookers. Agreed. Okay. So you that. think it's more, it's less that you, well, you, you found him creepy, but you also think Wait. it's kind of a pointless character arc. I mean, like, of I of think, all four of them. Yeah. Like, I think it was effective, but I also think that they could have been just as effective with just the Yeah, bookers. I mean, someone has to be number four. And for me, it's Heath. Um, you know, partly because his name is Heath, but also partly because... I don't know, like, of the four patients, whenever they cut to Heath, I was like, okay, like, gotta sit through this. Like, I, I felt no emotional connection to this to this patient, because he was just a fucking idiot. <laughs> um, I didn't really enjoy Callie's serial killer eyes at George the whole time. Um, I've, I've really not <clears throat> made it a secret that George has been super annoying to me in the past few episodes, so, yeah, he's number four. You wanna do three? I put Heath as my number three, um, mostly because, I don't know, I liked his storyline with Callie, and I like how we got subtle character developments with her. We got her kind of like, you know, like, obviously, like, she admires, you know, like, having passion and sacrificing yeah. for it, but then we also got that interesting line of, like, yeah. the whole, like, you gotta cut it off, like, the pain as she was talking, and so I kind of liked... Just, like, I don't know. They're not shoving her down our faces like a new character. Uh, and, like, there are definitely things that I think she could have done better. But. They're, they're not shoving her down our throats as badly as they do later with other characters. Mm -hmm. However, I still feel like they're pushing her pretty freaking hard. And interesting, like, when you look at, like, the opening and closing, like, as what kind of the closing speeches and, like, that, I feel like Heath was the character that was almost exactly, like, what she was saying with, like, the patients tell us what to do, and he basically, like, was like, you yeah. just gotta do this, and, like, I'll be fine, and, like, doing this, and they were like, no, you're a dumbass, like... Yeah, cut off your own finger. Anyway, 
My number three was uh, Mrs. Gibson. I, I'm a fan of Addison. I think that's what it really comes down to. And like I said, we, I've been waiting for you know a whole season for her to kind of grow and become her own person, become her own character, get her own storylines that don't really have to do 100% with Derek all the freaking time. To see her interact with other people, you know, and be her own. And I think that um, Mr. Gibson and Mrs. Gibson gave her that opportunity. So, yeah. Um, so our one and two are the same. So our both of our number two was Denny. Uh-huh. Because you can definitely still tell, like, Denny has not reached his peak peak yet. But you can tell, like... You know, with last episode and this episode, that they're moving somewhere with this character and they're doing right. something with this character. And that's so, what I was saying in my opening. Yeah, and so like every character, like every episode with him and Izzy, and they're building that and what's going to happen there. And so I don't know. I really like that, and I like where it's going right mm-hmm. now. Like obviously, like they're going to have something there, like tension and whatever. But yeah, I like that. I like what they're building, but they they just kind of moved him through this episode. Was that he was not the star of this episode? No. And that's okay. He doesn't. He shouldn't be the star of every episode. Um, so number one was the Bookers, Sylvia and Kyle. Yeah. Um, because I mean, the main point I feel like of this episode was dissecting the Addison Derek relationship yeah. and kind of what happened there, and that was which is literally what the Bookers represented. Yeah, which is kind of cool in a way because I don't think Addison and Derek have really had the. Well, the spotlight. Well, because it's, it's mostly I, Meredith. I was gonna say mostly. I feel like when you've gotten the relationship, we've di- been dissecting the Meredith Derek relationship. Right. And now we get to see a little bit of that other mm-hmm. side and how. And again, you're kind of getting that gray area where you're like, yes, Addison cheated and she did this wrong thing, but like, we also still empathize because like then you had that whole thing of like her feeling like her husband didn't want her and right. like that. And and it, it's like, it makes it that greater because you're like, I'm not forgiving her for what she did because what she did wasn't right. But like... Well, it could have it could have been so easy for them to just write this terrible, evil person in Addison. But instead, they wrote a realistic thing that happens to a lot of married people where it's like, they're not angry at each other so much as they evolve away from each other. You know what I mean? They grow apart. Yes, and it's it's it happens. You know what I mean? They're showing that Derek and Addison, they show how these two really do love each other and really re- like care about each other still, but they they grew apart, you know? And maybe they grow back together. You know, that's that's what that uh this episode is saying. Maybe they will. Mm-hmm. Elliot, do you have patient rankings? Yeah, but I'm not going to go in depth. Okay, uh, yeah, I go for it. Cuz I think you guys kind of um, so I'll do uh, Heath, Penny, Denny, and then the Bookers. So basically the same as Emily. Yeah, so yeah. mine. Okay, sweet. All right. Um, make one change. Did anyone have one? Mm-mm. Um, I need some time to think about this. If anyone else wants go to. Emily. Well, I mean, I have a little bit. I mean, as I've said a little bit throughout this this episode, I'm not a huge fan of the Callie character. I don't really know what the one change would be. And like... I understand why George needs a break from the rest of the interns, um, but I'm, I'm not rooting for her and George, and I feel like that's what the show wants you to do, and I'm not. You know what I mean? So, I just, I, I almost want George to get his crazy out with her, and then rejoin the other interns, you know? Like, get it out of your system, and then just join, join your family again, you know? 
probably just eliminate Heath completely. <sighs> he's irrelevant. He's, I mean, it's it provides an opportunity for George and Callie to work together in a professional setting. But it seems forced. It seems... It's just... They can talk to each other at, with a different character who actually is representative of some of the other main characters' plots. You know I guess, what I mean? But I mean... He doesn't do anything for the show, is what I'm saying. I think he works into the theme pretty well, but... Which yeah. is... Which is like... Which is odd because I feel like none of the other characters really did. Well, which is like... No, they did. Because the closing speech is saying, like, there are some wounds that you can just throw a band-aid on, but some of them, you know, are deeper than they first appear, like the Addison and Derek I thing. I guess, but it's not as in-your-face yeah. as the Bookers were. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe that's just me being ignorant and and not wanting to delve into that level of symbolism, right. you know. But your I guess your argument is you shouldn't have to look so hard. Yeah. 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 So just make him better. Just make him more relevant to the show or yeah. or get rid of him completely and have him like have, have, a different have another character in, do a different else. character do something else and have George and Callie work together in that case when there's actually something yeah. that's symbolic of their relationship. True. True, I agree with that. So anyway, uh, anything else, guys? I think that's it. So next week, we are talking about Season 2, Episode 21, entitled Superstition. This is a great episode. Written by James D. Perriott and Shonda Rhimes. Directed by... Trisha. Trisha Brock. Um, I don't... You know, I read through the... Um, she didn't really say much. Yeah, I read through the Grey Matter blog, written by... Gabrielle Stanton. She didn't really say that much. I will put a link to it if you want to read it. You know, just interesting stuff. To get in touch with us and to read the Grey Matter blog when I post it, you can on Twitter. The account for the podcast is at Grey's Uncut. For me, it's at Hazard underscore Emily. Hazard with two Zs. For Becca, it's at Anderson underscore Becca. That's Anderson with an E, not an O. Because it's Anderson. Yes. Uh, The... Email for longer questions or comments is graysanatomyuncut at gmail.com. If you want to check out our website and leave a comment on the specific episode, you can. That's graysanatomyuncut.home.blog. And if you would be so kind, we are up on iTunes, so you could rate and review us on iTunes as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Can't wait to talk about Superstition, one of my favorite eps from season two. Mm. All right. Signing off. Adios. Adios.